Hello, this is Michael Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our January 2023 issue. This is a special issue celebrating our first 10 years of publication, 2013 to 2022. To celebrate this special occasion, we have asked our editorial board members to write articles on the most important advances of the past decade in the spectrum of illnesses we have covered in the journal pages over the past 10 years. The conditions covered in these state-of-the-art review articles include asthma, diagnosis and management in children and adults, allergic and non-allergic rhinitis, along with immunotherapy, chronic rhinosinusitis, anaphylaxis, atopic dermatitis, food allergy and eosinophilic gastrointestinal diseases, drug hypersensitivity, urticaria and angioedema, and immunodeficiency. In addition, there are articles on the overarching topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion in allergy immunology, the past, present, and future of teleallergy, and value-based, cost-effective allergy immunology care. Besides these special review articles, the January 2023 issue also contains an American Academy of Allergy and Immunology Workgroup report on dose adjustment after gaps in administration of subcutaneous immunotherapy, a clinical management review article on the use of flexible rhinolaryngoscopy for allergy immunology practice, a rostrum discussing selective IgA deficiency as a possible unrecognized risk factor for severe COVID-19, and a special article presenting the Middle East and North Africa Diagnosis and Management Guidelines for Inborn Errors of Immunity. Now let me present the highlights of the original articles in this issue, which are on the subjects of asthma, dermatitis, food allergy, immunodeficiency, and rhinitis and sinusitis. The first asthma article is Standardization of Reporting Obstructive Airway Disease in Children, a National Delphi Process by Dijon et al. What is already known about this topic? Pediatric pulmonologists use a myriad of terms to report asthma and obstructive bronchitis in medical records due to the lack of consensus on standardized reporting. What does this article add to our knowledge? This is the first study that analyzed the terms used by pediatric pulmonologists to report the diagnosis of obstructive airway disease in medical records and proposed standardized reporting based on consensus among specialists. How does this study impact current management guidelines? We recommend standardized reporting for children's obstructive airway disease that includes diagnostic labels and features that are relevant for treatment and follow-up. The next asthma article is Clinical Associations of Mucus Plugging in Moderate to Severe Asthma by Chan et al. What is already known about this topic? Different studies have shown that mucus plugging in asthma is associated with worse spirometry, greater type 2 inflammation, and more frequent severe exacerbations. What does this article add to our knowledge? We have determined clinical associations with mucus plugging 
and moderate to severe asthma in the same study. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Mucus plugging should be included as an important aspect of routine severe asthma workup to tailor biologic decisions. The next asthma article is The Impact of Caregiver Depression on Child Asthma Outcomes, Pathways, and Mechanisms by Brown et al. What is already known about this topic? Prior cross-sectional studies have demonstrated that caregiver depression is related to child asthma outcomes. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study adds to the existing literature by demonstrating a relationship between caregiver depression and child asthma control and pulmonary function, and by examining mediators of the relationship. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The findings suggest that attention to and remediation of child and caregiver depressive symptoms may improve asthma control and lung function. The next asthma article is Age-Related Clinical Characteristics, Inflammatory Features, Phenotypes, and Treatment Response in Asthma by Wang et al. What is already known about this topic? Although the number of elderly asthmatic patients will increase with the aging population, knowledge about these people is largely unexplored. What does this article add to our knowledge? Asthma in the elderly population presents a distinct pattern of features of asthma, and aging influences asthma in terms of clinical characteristics, inflammatory features, exacerbations, and treatment responses. How does this study impact current management guidelines? We identify age-related clinical characteristics, inflammatory features, phenotypes, and treatment response in asthma. These findings could improve an understanding of the pathophysiology and future treatment strategies for elderly asthmatic patients. The next asthma article is the use of bacterial lysate for the prevention of wheezing episodes in preschool children, a cost-utility analysis by Rodriguez Martinez et al. What is already known about this topic? Most preschool children with recurrent wheezing have minimal or no symptoms in periods between wheezing episodes, making current treatment options for older children with persistent asthma less effective in reducing respiratory morbidity in these children. What does this article add to our knowledge? In Colombia, compared with standard care, bacterial lysate as an add-on therapy to standard care for treating preschool children with recurrent wheezing is cost-effective because it involves a greater gain in quality-adjusted life years at lower total treatment costs. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The results of this study show that the use of bacterial lysate therapy as an add-on to the standard care of preschool children with recurrent wheezing is an efficient treatment intervention that can be used to reduce the enormous clinical and economic burden of this entity. The next asthma article is Childhood Acid Suppressants May Increase Allergy Risk a systematic review and meta-analysis by Muhammad Daniel Song et al. What is already known about this topic? 
A previous meta-analysis found that the maternal use of acid suppressants during pregnancy was associated with an increased risk of childhood asthma. What does this article add to our current knowledge? Childhood acid suppressant use was associated with a 44%, 12%, and 40% increased hazards of incident asthma, atopic dermatitis, and allergic rhinitis, respectively. The risk may be more significant with a younger age at first exposure, particularly the first two years of life, and there is a possible dose-dependent effect. How does this study impact current management guidelines? There is a need for the judicious use of acid suppressants in pediatric patients and to advocate for the development of more stringent guidelines to direct their prescription. The next asthma article is Sensitivity of FEV1 and Clinical Parameters in Children with a Suspected Asthma Diagnosis by Fillard et al. What is already known about this topic? The Global Initiative for Asthma, GINA, International Guidelines advise performing pulmonary function tests to diagnose asthma in both children and adults. Diagnostic criteria in children require a an FEV1 to FVC ratio lower than 90% and an increase of 12% of their FEV1 after a bronchodilation test, based on what was observed in adults. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this multi-center international retrospective cohort study, we evaluate pulmonary function test results of children with a physician-made diagnosis of asthma and collected clinical data to assess the sensitivity of the FEV1 reversibility criterion. Whereas the reversible criterion showed a sensitivity of 30.4%, the sensitivity of the association of three clinical parameters was 99.5%. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The results of the present work bring an important contribution to current knowledge on asthma diagnosis in children showing that spirometric values have a very unsatisfying low sensitivity, especially if compared with clinical symptoms. The last asthma article is Effect of an Asthma Exacerbation on Medication Adherence by Sivitusa et al. What is already known about this topic? Asthma medication adherence is often poor and is affected by a variety of factors. What does this article add to our knowledge? An asthma exacerbation that involves a hospitalization, an emergency room or urgent care visit, and or a course of prednisone appears to have a significant and sustained effect on asthma medication adherence. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Future asthma adherence research should account for the effect of an asthma exacerbation on adherence and some consideration should be given to a referral to an asthma specialist, allergist, or pulmonologist after such an exacerbation because this appears to improve asthma medication adherence. The first dermatitis article is Comparing the Diagnostic Accuracy of Measures of Maternal Diet During Pregnancy for Offspring Allergy Outcomes, the Healthy Start Study, by Venter et al. What is already known about this topic? 
The Maternal Diet Index, an index of foods that should be increased or reduced, such as in pregnancy, was previously developed and validated by the author and has been shown to have good diagnostic accuracy for various offspring allergic diseases. Foods that should be increased are yogurt and vegetables. Foods that should be reduced include red meat, fried potatoes, 100% fruit juice, cereals, and refined grains. What does this article add to our knowledge? This article compares the diagnostic accuracy of multiple measures of diet for the prediction of allergic diseases. The measures considered include the Maternal Diet Index, the Healthy Eating Index, Total Diet Diversity, Healthy Diet Diversity, and Unhealthy Diet Diversity. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This article provides evidence that a healthy maternal diet may be associated with offspring allergy outcomes. The Maternal Diet Index, which appropriately weighted both healthy and unhealthy foods, best predicted childhood allergic disease. The second dermatitis article is Patients and Caregivers' Experiences with Atopic Dermatitis-Related Burden, Medical Care, and Treatments in Eight Countries by Kaposa et al. What is already known about this topic? Previous studies have documented the high patient and caregiver burden associated with atopic dermatitis, AD, and the significant unmet needs among patients who are affected by this disease. What does this article add to our knowledge? Less is known about the factors, especially those related to treatment options and the delivery of medical care, that may contribute to burden and unmet needs among patients and their caregivers. Furthermore, few studies have examined how the experience of living with AD varies between countries with different health care systems and approaches to AD care. This article looks at how patients with AD and their caregivers experience the burden of illness, medical care, and treatments in eight different countries. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Across eight countries, patients with more severe AD encounter challenges with symptom control and may benefit from specialized care. As new therapies for AD become available, shared decision-making and training in AD management may improve long-term outcomes. The first food allergy article is Home Introduction of Baked Egg After Oral Food Challenge by Cotwell et al. What is already known about this topic? It is known that most patients with egg allergy can tolerate egg in a baked form and that this exposure may help to accelerate the complete resolution of the allergy. What does this article add to our knowledge? Although introduction of baked egg in patients with egg allergy is now a common clinical practice, this study provides the first comprehensive assessment of this approach outside of the research setting. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Baked egg oral food challenges with potential home introduction should be considered for patients with egg allergy. However, although frequently successful, clinicians should recognize that adverse reactions are common and many patients revert to strict avoidance. The second food allergy article is 
Achieving Racial Representation in Food Allergy Research, a Modified Delphi Study by Billiver et al. What is already known about this topic? Racially and ethnically historically marginalized patients in the United States are underrepresented in food allergy research, although they are disproportionately affected by the condition. What does this article add to our knowledge? This article provides 18 recommendations for researchers to consider when they conduct food allergy research so that patients who are ex historically excluded because of race and ethnicity are better represented. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study indicates that current guidelines for food allergy management may not reflect the needs of racially and ethnically underrepresented patients if researchers do not consider factors that affect research participation. The first immunodeficiency article is COVID-19 severity cardiological outcome and immunogenicity of mRNA vaccine on adult patients with 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome by Pulverenti et al. What is already known about this topic? At present, data on the course of SARS-CoV-2 infection in 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome patients are scarce and limited mainly to pediatric case reports. Data on immunological response to immunization are lacking. What does this article add to our knowledge? SARS-CoV-2 infection in 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome had a mild course in most patients, even in those with major cardiovascular diseases. Lymphopenia represents a risk factor for becoming infected. The mRNA-BNT162B2 vaccine induced spike-specific immunoglobulin G responses and generated specific memory B and T cells. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The weaker memory responses in patients with lymphopenia suggested the need for periodic reassessment of serology to identify patients needing additional recall dose administration. Fatal course in one unvaccinated person highlights the importance of immunization to protect this population from severe COVID-19. The second immunodeficiency article is Clinical Outcomes, Immunogenicity, and Safety of BNT162B2 Vaccine in Primary Antibody Deficiency by Malata et al. What is already known about this topic? Primary antibody deficiency, such as common variable immunodeficiency, may lead to an impaired post-vaccination response to protein and or polysaccharide antigens, but the specific T-cell immune response may be preserved. What does this article add to our knowledge? Anti-SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine induces a measurable humoral response in a high proportion of patients with antibody deficiency, but it is limited by the low titer of virus-neutralizing antibodies, rapid waning of anti-receptor binding domain SARS-CoV-2-specific antibodies, and impaired specific T-cell immune response. How does this study impact current management guidelines? 
Our study suggests reasonable booster vaccination in shorter intervals for patients with primary antibody deficiency than is recommended for the general population. The last article is Fish Oil and Vitamin D Supplementation in Pregnancy Protect Against Childhood Croup by Brustad et al. What is already known about this topic? Croup is a prevalent respiratory disorder in early childhood with no preventative strategy. N3 polyunsaturated fatty acids and vitamin D are known to possess immunoregulatory effects and may protect against developing the disease. What does this article add to our knowledge? This randomized controlled trial demonstrates protective effects of pregnancy N3 polyunsaturated fatty acids and vitamin D supplementations on the risk of croup in the offspring. The risk was reduced by 38% and 48% respectively during the double-blind period. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The results suggest two potential low-cost preventative micronutrient strategies during pregnancy against one of the most common acute respiratory diseases in childhood. Thank you for listening to the highlights of the January 2023 issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. This is Michael Schatz, and I hope you find this issue beneficial for you and your patients.